Welcome to the first edition of Agree to Disagree, the most creative and action-packed hour of sports talk you'll listen to all week. My name is Cole Nevins, and for the first time ever, I'm alongside the prodigy and local icon himself, Sammy Sherry, who will be joining me every week to talk sports. Sammy, tell the audience a bit about yourself. Well, first of all, thank you, Cole, for having me on. I'm looking really forward to this, and I think we're going to have a great year and a great show. So, as you said, I'm Samuel Sherry. I am a 16-year-old sophomore in Syosset. I go to Syosset High School, and I'm a huge Charger Yankee, unfortunately the Knicks, and a Ranger fan. And I love sports, and I'm ready to get into it. Yeah, one of the few Chargers fans you'll ever find in the entire world. So anyway, on this special Monday episode, we're going to first discuss the NBA Finals in Week 5 of the NFL season, and then introduce our awesome weekly segments, which will be a staple of every show throughout this year, including sports stocks, hot takes, a mailbag, and the best games of the upcoming week in sports. So if you want to skip to a specific segment, you know, people are always on a time schedule these days, check out the episode's description where the timestamps for each part of the show are listed for your benefit. So before we start, we'd like to inform everyone that starting this Friday, Sammy and I will be starting our live radio show from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern every Friday on WKWZ 88.5 FM, which is Syasa High School's very own live radio station. So if you want to listen on another device and not the old school way on radio, I'll be dropping the link to the show on Friday on my Twitter page, at Colon Sports, and maybe even my Instagram page as well. And the show will be posted to this podcast on Friday night if you're not able to listen to it live during the day on Friday. So with all that being said, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. The opening headline, which we will start with every single week, we will start the show with the latest and greatest in whatever happened in sports the day prior. We all know what's coming here. NBA Finals. The Los Angeles Lakers, led by LeBron James, brought home another one to Staples Center. The Laker Nation. So, instead of going in and talking about the generic GOAT conversation like every other mainstream station today, we're going to spice it up a bit. First question is, where does this finals run rank in LeBron's overall legacy? Well, Cole, I think this is second in his legacy. I know we had a great year, some hardship with the pandemic, but that Cleveland championship, that was special. Bringing it back to the land. In over 60 years, Cleveland had not won a championship, and LeBron James, their savior, He was the one who was supposed to bring it back to the land, and he did. He achieved, after all the hardship, the drive, after LeBron leaving, the burning of the jerseys, he did it. He delivered his promise and brought a championship back to the land. This year, he did have Anthony Davis and a great Lakers team who did phenomenal things, but I got to go with that Cleveland team. That Cleveland team has a special place in every NBA fan's heart. Yeah, and just like the MVP award, these finals runs are really driven by storylines, unfortunately. And sometimes people forget about the teams and you know the actual physical basketball journey that it took 
and we'll get into this in, get into this in a bit and how I don't want to hear any BS about how this was a cupcake run for LeBron because it was far from it. But you can't argue that beating that 73-9 and Warriors team, the greatest regular season team of all time, and taking them down in a 3-1 comeback, I really don't know how you can top that, Sammy. I completely agree. I couldn't agree more. That team was supposed to be the best team ever. They were talking smack to the Bulls on Twitter and social media, and it came back to bite them. LeBron James had something to say about that. Yeah, and don't even underrate that storyline as well. I think I downplayed a little bit myself. I mean, winning one back for your hometown, the team that you left before, you go to Miami, you come back to Cleveland, and you win them a title? Well, I mean, look, this one in Los Angeles is incredible with the whole storyline of Kobe Bryant's death and the pandemic and playing in the bubble and winning a title within two years and all the people that said he just went to L.A. to be a movie star and to live his life. But... You know, winning one for your hometown, if I was able to win one for my Knicks, I mean, nothing would be able to beat that for me. So, moving on, staying on the topic of Los Angeles Lakers, the sidekick to LeBron, who deserves almost just as much credit as him, Anthony Davis, had an unbelievable final series as well as a playoff run. So, Sammy, start us off here. Well, I talk about. I don't know if I would call him a sidekick. I mean, Anthony Davis, he's no sidekick. I mean, a sidekick isn't arguably the best power forward in this time. I mean, he's a top 10 player in the NBA right now, undoubtedly. You say top 10. You could argue top 5. You can, but top 10 is conservative. It's conservative, but look, this guy just let, you know, help them win a title and you're talking them up right now. I mean, in my eyes, he's still the sidekick because, you know, you have a polarizing guy like LeBron James. He's always going to be the number one in the alpha of this team until, you know, his years start to really dwindle down. And who knows when that will happen if and if that will ever happen. But, you know, Anthony Davis made a strong case to be a top five player in the NBA. And look, I mean, even the guy across the court from him, Jimmy Butler, made a strong case to be in the top ten where you talked about Anthony Davis, I think we can, you know, even though we weren't supposed to talk about Jimmy Butler right here, why don't we discuss both of those right now? Where do you see Anthony Davis and Jimmy Butler right now in terms of this, you know, regularly talked about an iconic top five and top ten in the NBA conversation? Well, obviously, Anthony Davis had a great year. He helped LeBron. He made LeBron better. LeBron made him better. They played off each other, as I said, phenomenally. Arguably better than Scotty and Jordan played off each other. Because when you look at the positions, LeBron led the league in assists with AD at big men. He never had that great, great big men. Yes, I know he had Chris Bosh and Kevin Love, but those guys on the defensive end weren't what AD was. They can't switch onto guards, especially in the modern era, what AD can do. You could say he was the second best player this year. Obviously, there was no Curry, no KD, but... Jimmy Butler, I would say, he had a great finals run. But overall, when you look at his whole season and his whole career, I don't know if you could put him in that top 10 upper echelon of players. He's a great player. I just don't think he's a superstar. I think he's a star. But I don't think you could win with Jimmy Butler as your primary option. Maybe your number two, even your number three would be great suited, but not your number one option. I can agree with that final part. 
speaking about how he you probably can't win a finals with him as your first option. But I think it's fair to call him a superstar based on that those finals performances. I mean, what, did he have a 40-point triple-double? Was that what it was? I mean, that is unbelievable. And I think even more than his talent on the court, this guy, after years and years of people calling him this dramatic crybaby who does all this stuff off the court, and he comes in and leads this extremely young and, you know, just inexperienced Heat squad to the finals and brings this Lakers team to six games. You can't discount the leadership that Jimmy Butler had on this team. And in his first season, just showed every quality that you'd want in the best player on your team. I'm ready to talk about Jimmy Butler as a top 10 player in the NBA. I mean, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on this on call. <laughs> That's the, the name of the game of here. Many. Yes, first the of first many. of many. You know, just for all our viewers here, I mean, this is the reason, the inspiration behind the show name of Agree to Disagree. It kind of fell right in front of our faces because unlike, you know, a lot of my shows in the past where I was constantly agreeing with the other person that was on, Sammy and I never seemed to find a median. So Agree to Disagree really, you know, sums up what this show is going to be about. And hopefully you guys enjoy that part. You know, I'm not going to give the screaming matches of Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman on this show even though those seem to get a little out of hand and just dramatic and flat-out silly some of the times. But we'll give well-thought-out arguments, but really give our points here in the most entertaining fashion possible, again, without acting like barbarians on the show. But going back to Anthony Davis, this is a player that's been, you know, historically underrated for years and throughout his entire career, the impact that he's had. So it's kind of funny that people are finally starting to realize after this whole playoff run just how good he really was. It also shows the impact of a player playing in a crappy organization like New Orleans and what it does to their perception around the league. And we'll see if that happens to Zion as his career goes on. Agreed. Zion, he's a phenomenal talent, but we're going to see if New Orleans could utilize him in the correct way like they were unable to do to AD for all those seven hard-fought years. So as the bubble came to an unfortunate conclusion for most NBA fans, let's start with your favorite part in the bubble. Let's start on a positive note before later in the show when we'll get into the negatives, which is, you know, the big scar on this bubble, which happened to be the ratings. We'll get into that later in our mailbag segment as some of the fans wanted to hear our thoughts on that. Let's talk about your favorite part of the bubble. What did you like the most? Most don't even think about this part of the bubble as it was so distant and so short. But my favorite part of the bubble was actually the best out of two games with the Trailblazers and the Grizzlies, the king of the court style, where the Blazers only had to win one game as the higher seed and the Grizzlies the two out of the two. I think it's phenomenal. Like when you play ping pong, that's how it goes, king of the court style or tennis. And I think overall the NBA should implement this kind of as a wild card round, maybe for that eight seed in future years, as in the Western Conference, it's so competitive for that eight seed, not just this year, but in years past as well. Yeah, nothing really beats elimination basketball. We see that with March Madness. We see that with Game 6s and Game 7s. Basketball fans and sports fans in general crave those high-pressure elimination games. And the NBA 
between their fans, which unlike baseball, they don't have this purest in, in the NFL, this purest fan base that will literally is just never open to any change. And it's always a conservative mindset for them. Adam Silver listens to the fans and he understands that, again, we'll get to the ratings later, that finding creative and you know awesome ways to play out games and series like that and really ensure that the best team is moving on it's a win-win for the fans and the players. It's an awesome story and experience for them. And it's just as much to, uh, for the fans to watch and experience. So I have to agree with you on that. Fans are going to forget about that. But between you know, the changes in the All-Star game, which people, I mean, that seems like years from now at this rate. But that was an incredible showing as well. And going forward, I think, and even the NFL, I know I'm going to contradict myself. They're adding another wild card game in this year. Those games are just awesome, and I can't complain. You know, hopefully the the NBA potentially shortens their schedule and you know prioritizes the playoffs a bit more because I think the fans really love that in the end. But I'm going to give an interesting, real out of the box answer for my favorite part of the bubble, which is the unknown, and the unknown is what happened behind the scenes in those beginning stage hotels the nba is built off of off the court drama and relationships in the inner circles between players i am unbelievably curious and i would pay so much money to find out what happened behind the scenes at those hotels where these players just like athletes you know and i'm sure we have a lot of kids listening to this podcast and a lot of you guys can relate to being young athletes and going to tournaments as a kid and staying in the hotel as other teams and you know becoming friends with kids from other schools and other clubs. The relationship that's built between players from other teams and they have respect for each other and how that carries over time when you're able to potentially switch your team or club. Look, the NBA, I am just so excited to see what unfolds and what relationships carry over from this bubble into real life when it comes to tampering and free agency, which we haven't had to talk about in a long time, but this off season slowly approaching on us or quickly approaching because it's, you know, it's starting up soon. And I think a lot of what happened in the bubble might be bursted soon. Well, going back to Adam Silver, your point about him, he is the most innovative owner, maybe not as innovative as David Stern, but he's definitely willing to take risk and listen to the fans as you said. And we're going to see what he does about this tampering situation because if LeBron James calls Giannis Antetokounmpo and says, hey, you want to come to the Lakers, it's perfectly <laughs> fine. But if Magic Johnson does it or Rob Palinka does it or anybody associated with the Lakers organization management-wise, it's not okay. But is there really a difference? Because people make arguments like, is LeBron James just – the owner's spokesperson, per se, with all these players. And he probably is. LeBron James and Rich Paul can control the NBA landscape. They got AD to L.A., and they could get anybody to L.A. Yeah, I don't know about Giannis to L.A. I think that might be a little bit, you know, too much of an exaggeration. But I get your point in terms of, you know, the crazy things that could unfold from the relationships that are built in this bubble and these players are staying together and you have to think about behind the scenes these guys aren't going back to their families every day 
and the you know the regular scheduled activities they're stuck in this hotel room or this hotel in general this big bubble and they have all the time in the world to interact with those other players so based on what we saw who knows what can unfold from it so we're going to wrap up our nba segment with this last question right here let's give a quick rapid fire answer your final four picks for the 2020-21 NBA season, who is going to be competing in the conference titles? All right, Cole. So a lot of people are going to disagree with these takes. They're a tad radical. But the Lakers, they're the obvious pick to make it back to the conference finals. But I think they're going to be met by the future. The older statesman versus the future statesman. In LeBron versus Luka Doncic. They didn't get to play each other this year in the playoffs. But I think Luka with a healthy Kristaps and maybe another star like a Victor Oladipo who they could pick up in the offseason by trade would be a great advantage to this Mavericks team. They took the Clippers to six games with a hurt Kristaps and Luka played out of his mind. Clearly, he elevated his game in the playoffs like a superstar needs to do. And in the East, I think the Pacers are going to make it against the Raptors. Kristaps, as I said, is a great power forward, but a guy like Sabonis and Siakam you cannot forget as, about as well. Siakam has proven he could be the number one scorer and number one option. They have to sign Fred Van Vliet to a new deal, but if they do that, I think the Raptors could be a force to be reckoned with, with a championship-experienced roster, with an older statesman Kyle Lowry, but Nick Nurse at the end of the day has proven he can get it done. With the Pacers, they are going to have a coaching change. But as I said, DeMontis Sabonis and Darren Collison, maybe they'll sign him back from free agency. Maybe he'll be like, well, I had a year off just to sow my oats per se. Maybe I'll come back to Indiana. It was a great place for my career. I had a lot of production here. I could play with a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, who's great from the free throw line and a great shooter. And overall, they got Miles Turner in the paint, who they could use as trade bait to acquire another star or use for their roster. Yeah, that's going to be another common theme on this show. Sammy giving radical answers to questions where I'm going to give some, I wouldn't say a boring answer, but, you know, an interesting in my terms. So before I get to mine, I mean, I'll just say this. I have no, and this might be my next bias showing, but I have no trust in Christoph Porzingis with his health going forward. I mean, look. As a basketball fan, I hope to see him, and and I love Luka Doncic, and I love the Mavericks organization so much, everything about it. And as a basketball fan, part of me wants to see Kristaps Porzingis succeed alongside Luka Doncic, but personally, I just can't see him, you know, even if he is healthy, being at his his top-tier self and, you know, preserving his body enough to be in that situation. That's unfortunate, but I think it might be the reality. And in terms of the Raptors, I think it said everything during uh, these playoffs with Siakam. He should have been the big piece, and he was the biggest letdown that we saw besides Paul George, arguably even worse. So I have no trust in in them going forward compared to what you have. Well, I disagree. Siakam did have not the greatest of showings, but I think that's going to give him the motivation to come back even stronger. He was a late first-round pick from Cameroon. All the odds have been stacked against him in his life to even get to this point, which is why I think he's going to work hard in the gym. 
he's going to get better and he's going to improve his late game situation basketball and his playoff basketball. And ultimately, he's going to get a better jump shot again, like in previous years, and is going to continue with his on court style of play and his leadership abilities off the court, I think, are going to dramatically increase this season as well. Which just is like why I think the Raptors are going to make it. Just like what you were talking about earlier, I just can't see. Siakam being a first option on a team that makes a, a long run in the playoffs. But going on to my picks, as I mentioned earlier, you guys aren't going to like this. East, I think the Celtics and Heat meet up again. And in the West, I think the Lakers and Nuggets meet up again. Yes, I know it's boring and the NBA is about parity and, and all the fun stuff. But I think these teams are, they're, they're, I mean, between the Celtics, Heat, and Nuggets, all extremely similar, well-managed, young Fun, flashy, so much potential. And between all three of them, they want to come back next year and, you know, show themselves out after being stumped. All three of them. Sammy, quickly. I think the Celtics are actually going to be another letdown this season. Brad Stevens does more with less, but less with more. Jason Tatum, I think, is gone way out of this world with hype and I think he's overrated and he's not the player Luka Doncic is and I don't think he could be the first option on a team that goes as far as you're predicting. Gordon Hayward, that contract is still there and maybe they could move that somewhere and get that off the books but Kemba Walker I don't think he could be the number one option either. So overall I think Boston just isn't going to get there. Denver I really like. I think they could make that next jump but I was also think we should not discount the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and a Draymond Green. Who knows? Maybe they could add Giannis or someone else, like a Joel Embiid or a Ben Simmons. We should be careful with them because they have that number two pick and Andrew Wiggins, which are both attractive trade assets. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to talk a ton in the future about previewing the NBA season more in depth because that's what it deserves. And, you know, as every offseason has it, these NBA offseasons are just as entertaining as the playoffs themselves for some fans like myself who just feed off the drama and storylines that come out of it. So we'll get more into that later. And then in a future show, maybe we'll discuss our finals picks and, you know, finals champions. So that's our, our major tease for the next few shows. But before that, we'll start with a tradition that we will see on the radio show that we'll have throughout the year. But this, this show is actually serving as a mock for our shows for the year. Again, it's our first time recording together. You guys, you guys may not notice it because our chemistry is already off the charts. You know, we have a little bit of LeBron James, Anthony Davis in here right now. Chemistry right off the bat looking green. So tradition we have on the radio, underclassman gets the weather. So, Sammy, let's give you a quick weather report before we get into All right. the NFL. Thank you, Cole, for that. and. Today in Syosset, New York, cloudy, 55 currently, and it was a rainy day. But tomorrow, it's supposed to be rain, but there's a 20% chance of sun with a high of 64 and a low of 59. But don't worry, Wednesday, the sun is coming back with a high of 72 and a low of 59. Getting back to playing football and basketball on those courts. Back to you, Cole. I think we should normalize having, you know, sportscasters do the the do the weather from now on in, in all in all media outlets. So maybe we'll get that trend going. So you know, try to do your school's weather on your show if you're able to. So 
As I mentioned before, NFL Sunday in Review. Usually we'll be doing the show on a Friday, so we'll actually be previewing the weekend to come. But again, since this is a special Monday show, we have the Week in Review. So let's start with the game drawing all the headlines from the week. All our New York viewers are going to want to hear about this. The Jets. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Cole, unfortunately for you, I don't think the Jets are going anywhere until May or June when they draft Trevor Lawrence. We'll get into that one later as well. I mean, don't get don't get too ahead of yourself, but Dallas 37, Giants 34, but not the biggest storyline of the game, unfortunately, as a fan favorite for all fans around the world, except for EDP, who gave a disgusting comment after uh, Dak Prescott's injury. So I think we should cancel EDP for the second time in the past few months after what he said. But... Dak Prescott went down with a horrific injury in this game. It's going to keep him out for the season. I think I saw it's going to be a four- to six-month timeline for the Cowboys franchise quarterback. And, of course, he has all the insecurity about his contract situation. So it's a mess overall. And Jerry Jones has to feel terrible. And Dak Prescott has to feel terrible. And just NFL fans as a whole, it's a big loss for the community to see a starting quarterback like Dak Prescott a guy who's been so a guy who has been through so much over the past few years to experience something like this but as everything else goes in life we have to move forward and so do the cowboys and so do jerry jones and the man under center one of my favorite guys in football the red rifle andy dalton so let's hear your thoughts on andy dalton moving forward you're, Honestly, you're a big Cole- supporter of the cowboys in the past you what know I was a big supporter. I thought they were going to make it all the way to to the Super Bowl this year under Dak Prescott under center with Ezekiel Elliott against Bills Mafia, Josh Allen, and the Bills. But uh, obviously now I don't think the Cowboys are going to get there with uh, Andy Dalton as their quarterback under center. He's serviceable definitely for a backup quarterback. Got to the playoffs all those years in Cincinnati but he can't lead this team, let's be honest. That secondary isn't going to get any better overnight. Byron Jones, he's a corner that's not replaceable. I look back to this team where maybe if Jerry Jones didn't pay Amari Cooper over $100 million, which was a stretch in everyone's calculations, I know he could have gone to the Redskins uh, division rival, but I personally would have kept Byron Jones. And you could look at that secondary this year and – it took a big hit. I know you didn't know you could get CeeDee Lamb, but we're going to have more on later, who we think are, is going to be a great player in the NFL. But overall, I think Andy Dalton and the Cowboys are going nowhere except the top 10 in the draft. Look, I, I think it's a very big possibility that they do finish you know, in the bottom 10 of the NFL this year. But I think Andy Dalton is still better than people think, and he was stuck. I wouldn't say in a crappy situation in Cincinnati because he was able to make the playoffs for a few years, but they were just the definition of mediocre and you know, an 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven in a first-round wildcard exit to the, you know, the top seed. So, look, I think with all the weapons around him, it's going to be hard for Andy Dalton to actually play poorly. I think this team will really help to elevate his talent and you know his overall performance. Could they maybe get to 8-8? Eight and eight? Potentially, and in this division, it's a crapshoot, man. It's an absolute crapshoot. So I wouldn't really rule out yet them making the postseason. 
but you know, I, I anything's possible in the NFC least. But Andy Dalton's going to be better than people think, and that's my take on the Dak Prescott injury. Well, I would watch out for the Redskins if Alex Smith becomes hey, that quarterback. Hey, hey. Alex, no, rewind. Alex Smith. Wait, no, could be a great yeah, player. Come on, man. I know what, Kyle what, Allen is starting Sammy, now. Sammy, Sammy, what did you just say? Alex Smith. No, before that. <laughs> you mentioned the R words, bro. It slipped right out. Can't what call him that anymore. What did I say? You said the name that they're no longer called. Oh, the Redskins. You're right. No, I didn't. Ken saw. I, they're <laughs> referred to the Redskins by me until they have a new football team name. I don't think they could should be called the Washington football team. I mean, come on. I mean, Washington. How about that? I mean, Washington, I think Alex Smith could be, if he comes back, I know Kyle Allen is going to be playing this weekend. For the foreseeable future, most likely, as he is Ron Rivera's guy from Carolina. But Alex Smith, it's devastating that Dak Prescott gets injured the the week Alex Smith comes back from his horrific injury. Yeah, no, I was a huge, huge, huge Alex Smith fan prior to his injury. I loved watching him in Kansas City, and I loved watching him in Washington before he went down. And it was great to see him back, but I was holding my breath watching him play. I actually didn't want him to play. You know, maybe take a few snaps, get a standing ovation. But I was just frightened out of my shoes to watch Alex Smith take snaps and Aaron Donald coming down the middle on him. I mean, how can that not put you on the edge of your seat freaking out, you know, biting your nails? But, you know. I mean, I wouldn't want Aaron Donald coming after me. Yeah, regardless. Two-time Defensive Player of the Year award. Maybe make it three this season. But in terms of Washington, look, everyone's talking about Kyle Allen, which is, you know, Ron Rivera's guy from Carolina. But if it's Kyle Allen, come on, let's let's hold our horses here. This is, well, I think, we'll, we'll get into Dwayne Haskins later, and I have a full take about him. And I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant. That's in our uh, our hot takes and in, in stock section. But, oh, my, yeah, with, with Kyle Allen, I mean, this is not a guy that I can see winning a ton of games for Washington this year. So I think, we you know, we hold our horses here on Washington. And I still think that Dallas and Philadelphia are going to give themselves a run for their money to see who wins this crapshoot of a division. Let's, so let's move on here. Carolina beat Atlanta 23-16. to That led to the firing of their GM and head coach on uh, their version of uh, Black Monday. So what do you think about the Falcons right now, sitting at 0-5, a team still experiencing their Super Bowl hangover all these years later? Matt Ryan is looking you know, worse than he, he's ever in his entire career. You know, just spilled all out. I think the Falcons should target a hometown kid, Justin Fields, who went to the University of Georgia for a short time and went to high school in Georgia. I think he could be a great choice to move on from quarterbacks from Matt Ryan like they did with Michael Vick back in 2007. I know it's a different situation, but Dimitrov and Quinn, they needed to go. As you said, they're still blowing leads after that 28-3 lead, worst blown lead in Super Bowl history. But overall, I think the Falcons, it had to be done, and you just got to survive in advance. As a Tom Brady hater, I just 
hold that loss to Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan and just the whole Falcons team forever. I, it and just Kyle injured. Shanahan. I mean, but look, yes, Kyle Shanahan, but you know, twice he's the he's the only guy of those three who has been able to recover from it. The other two True. have really felt the wrath of it since. So, you know, I was a huge Matt Ryan supporter. Talk about buying stock. I bought stock in all four of my fantasy leagues as Matt Ryan as my starting quarterback, and that's been absolutely terrible so far. Thank God I got good insurance policies like Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers and, you know, other guys. But he's looked terrible. He's looked out of shape. Will I give it to him that he has been playing without Julio Jones? Yes, I think that's a big loss on his part. But some of the plays have been in- inexcusable. And I have a – hopefully my, my buddy Shane is listening right now. I have this running joke with him that Matt Ryan, every single game for the past two or three years, would play the most underwhelming football for the first three quarters. In the, fir- in the fourth quarter, he'd put up 200 yards and two touchdowns in garbage time. And they'd either win, blow a lead, or make some crazy comeback. Or, you know, just lose in the most boring way possible at the end. But that's Matt Ryan. That's Matt Ryan in a nutshell. I loved him during his prime, but, you know, moving on might be the best option. And he can find another team with, you know, just bringing, rejuvenating the weapons around him and seeing what he has left in the tank for a veteran squad. I mean, Calvin Ridley has had a great season. As you said, Julio has been healthy the whole season. But overall, I agree. Matt Ryan, a change of scenery probably may be necessary. And, they should change directions at quarterback and the whole team. Cole, you know, I think we should talk about Kansas City. Just a brief moment, and we could get back to them later. But this blown against the Raiders, I mean, they had it there, almost came back down 40-32 to 32 after that two-point conversion and that touchdown to Kelsey. But, I mean, Mahomes, did the Raiders figure them out? <laughs> Again, another thing that we're going to address later in the show, but, you know, with with Kansas City, I mean, this is a team, I think it's okay for a team like this to have one bad day. It's like how the Lakers start off all their series with a loss. You know, any given I think Sunday. I think it's fine. Exactly. Any given Sunday. That's a perfect way to put it, Sammy. So we're going to move on here. You know, brief is the name of the game. Um... Typically on this show, I'd be giving a school advertisement, but in this case, I'll give a bit of self-advertisement. As most of you know, since December of 2019, I've been running the show at Phenom Media, the greatest collection of youth sports analysts in the world right now. After starting with just 15 of my close buddies, I'm already up, or we're already up, our team, to 115 kids from around the entire country and a handful of internationals that have just built an unbelievable product throughout this entire year. We're nearing the one-year anniversary already, which is unbelievable on its own. But if you are not already, for some reason, you've been under a rock since December, make sure to follow Phenom Media on all platforms, Instagram for daily debates and rankings and opinions, our Twitter page, for a ton of creative content, memes, you know, upcoming games, in-game highlights, in-game opinions, the website, constant, amazing written content, something that you can't find much more today from kids in the industry. 
and a soon-to-be podcast network, a creative TikTok network with amazing one-minute videos that really put a lot into a nutshell, and a, a budding YouTube channel where everything is really going to come to fruition as we start to transition in the coming months. So if you're not following Phenom Media, just search it up on any platform and enjoy the incredible content that these kids are putting together in the most revolutionary sports media product out there. So, fun segment that we're going to start right now. Again, a weekly staple of our show, sports stocks, buying, selling, and shorting. We're going to give one for each. Sammy's a big actual stocks guy himself, so I'll let you start off here. Who are you buying? Who are you selling? And who are you shorting in all of sports right now? Well, Cole, in football right now, I am buying Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins. Brian Fitzmagic and the Miami Dolphins are doing great things. Last year, they miraculously got five wins with that team, adding Byron Jones plus others in this offseason. And everybody is still wondering, when will we see two attack of Iloa? Maybe we will see him on the new time against Justin Herbert and the Chargers on November 15th. Maybe we will see him sooner. Maybe we will see him next season. But this Miami Dolphins team has been impressing, and I think Patrick Mahomes still owes them a nice bottle of scotch from them beating the Patriots in Week 17 last year and him getting that first-round bye. So, Patty Mahomes, you recently came into some money, so I think you owe Brian Flores and the Miami Dolphins a nice sweet bottle of champagne and scotch you know what send them the whole a whole company honestly you could probably buy it look man your analogies amaze me every single time i talk to you you got an old soul man it's it's unbelievable but you know hopefully you know just always reminds me of um when cincinnati beat who they beat to get in the play the buffalo in the playoffs was it was it baltimore they beat I don't believe, no, I believe. Who no, I be? believe Baltimore beat Cincy one year to. No, 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 Andy Dalton. No, that one Baltimore beat Cincy one year, so New England would get a bye. No, not that. No, I'm talking about a few years ago. Cincinnati scored on that last miracle play to get Buffalo into their first postseason. Who is that? I against? vaguely remember. Was that I against believe... was that against Baltimore? Was that the year Buffalo was with Marone? In with, when they Tyrod Taylor, with Tyrod Taylor. Oh, with Tyrod Taylor, when they uh, didn't they start Justin Peterman though in the playoffs against the Chargers that year? With with Nathan Peterman? Yeah, yeah. Um, worst I'm quarterback pretty, ever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, I I can't believe I'm blanking out right now. I believe it was Baltimore, but we'll have to fact check that later. We will. Um, all right. So on to on to my Daniel, not Nathan. He's so bad. I mean, worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. I'm sorry. He's just, he's pathetic. He threw something like five, six interceptions against the Chargers. Me being a Charger fan, that was a great day for me. But obviously, fantasy football was over. So back to you, Cole. Um, so I know I'm buying. We'll shift to the college football landscape right now. I'll try That's not good. to shed my, I'll, sh- I'll try not to shed my bias right now. But all I've been hearing is this praise for the new starting quarterback of the Michigan Wolverines, 
a guy who forced Dylan McCaffrey to transfer, Joe Milton. A guy who I don't think is going to come in and become some Heisman starter and in Heisman contender off the bat. But this is the first guy that Jim Harbaugh was able, Jim Harbaugh, the QB guru mastermind himself, was able to come in and handpick to be on his Wolverines roster. He hasn't had that yet in his tenure. People constantly forget that when they go and, and, you know, they give him crap about all the good that he's done so far in Ann Arbor. And yes, it's obviously not enough, but you can't discount what he's done so far for this Wolverines turning the whole program around. But Joe Milton is a guy that I could see coming in this year and turning around the wait, culture of this Wolverine. Wait, Cole, when was the last time he beat Ohio State? I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I, I forget. I'll let, you, I'll let you answer that for me. Wait, I can't, I can't remember. I'll Can you, you remind me? So, you know, moving, on, moving on from that, you know, uh, no, we're not going to talk about that just right. Actually, you know what? The last time he beat Ohio State, 2016, because we did win that game. JT was short. And if we won that game, this is one of my theories. I need to make some kind of video about this and do some extensive research because this gets me riled up, man. This gets me absolutely fired up every time I talk about that because, A, we should have won that game. We were robbed by the refs because JT can't leave the game in the officials' hands. It was a a fourth down, and they stopped him, and they they showed that he was clearly not over the line. So I don't understand how that's leaving in the officials' hands. Regardless, they win that game. Michigan goes to the college football playoff. Are they winning that playoff? No. That changes the whole dynamic of the program around. Harbaugh doesn't get the crap that he gets from the media. And other people, oh, you can never beat Ohio State, blah, 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 blah. They had a subpar quarterback in that game and an amazing defense and, a, and somehow a dynamic offense. And they won that game on the road against Ohio State. I don't care what you say. It happened. And that would have changed the entire program around. The entire program. But that one stupid call change it all, and I can only imagine the shift in recruiting and respect that the Michigan Wolverines would have had if they won that game. And hopefully, in a year as crazy as 2020, I'll try not to get my hopes up because maybe it's one of the few things that won't change in 2020, but having Joe Milton step in this year and next year, and then, you know, oh my God, and J.J. McCarthy, the IMG Academy quarterback product coming in soon, makes me happy as a Michigan Wolverines fan myself. So, Buy stock on Joe Milton. He's going to be a beast this year and next year as well. Well, Cole, who are you selling then? If you're buying, where are you getting this cash? Who am I selling? We're going to shift all the way back to the National Football League, the big boys. The team that I'm selling are the 4-1 and one Bears, the most overrated team in football. I, I agree. Have been, I have been a guy that... I'll I'll speak about Nick Foles because everyone knows the story about Mitch Trubisky. He sucks. Let's be let's be simple here. Nick Foles is a guy that ever since in Philly, I'm a huge Carson Wentz guy, and I'm, I'll continue to be until I give him until you give him the right offensive line and the right receivers to work with. Because he was also robbed. Speaking of being robbed of an MVP in that one year where he tore his ACL, he 100 percent should have won. He the should MVP. have won it. I agree, but since again, that injury another, hasn't been the same. Another example of how one moment, one fluky moment, could change storylines for years to come. If he wins the MVP that that season, the respect level for Carson Wentz is at another level. Another level if he wins the MVP award. And I still think that they could have won, and they probably would have won the Super Bowl, or at least made the Super Bowl, if Wentz continued to play. 
considering that Nick Foles, the guy who was sitting on the bench the entire year, was able to lead an unbelievable Eagles squad all the way to the Super Bowl. So if Carson Wentz never gets hurt, I think it's one of the biggest what-ifs in modern sports history right now. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine how much would have changed. But going back to Nick Foles, the topic of this discussion, besides that one run of him being a system quarterback and that in you know with Philadelphia, he's been he's been dreadful. He has been dreadful. And he must have been oh, I don't know what he was feeling during that playoff run. I guess he's a primetime player, the guy who steps up in the right situations. As we did see on Thursday night, he was he able to did step at up. the end of the he, he did, did at the end of the day play Case um, Keenum you know, in the conference finals. Um, I mean at the end of the day, it is Case Keenum. I mean, I could probably beat Case Keenum. No, it's Tom Brady's second kryptonite behind Mark Sanchez. Something about bad quarterbacks beating Tom Brady in big games. Nick Foles and Mark Sanchez, 2-0 in those big games themselves. But just just Nick Foles doesn't do it for me. It's a quarterback-driven league. I think the offense is extremely stagnant. The defense is, is good, but I wouldn't – I mean, maybe you can call them great, but they're not, you know, top tier of the NFL right now. They're a very fluky 4-1 team, and I pretty much guarantee that, you know, they have a nice schedule coming up. But if I was going to be bold right here, I would I would sell stock on them because if they are going to make the playoffs, they're going to get destroyed. If they just, just eke in because of, you know, the landscape of the NFL being very top-heavy, very weak on the bottom, they might be able to get into the playoffs. But the Bears are not a good team. Let's not kid ourselves. Sorry, Big Cat, for, you know, talking poorly about your Bears. but. It, it's not looking good for, you know, team up in Chicago. Cole, I'm selling Aaron Judge. I am a Yankee fan through and through. I love my Yankees. I have a picture of Yankee Stadium in my background here and on my wall. I love the Yankees, but Aaron Judge, he's he's too brittle and he keeps getting hurt. He's six, 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 seven. An average human can't really do what he can do. A six, 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 seven individual can't run this fast and jump this high. It's just not realistic. And the injuries keep piling up and piling up. The same thing with Stanton. And you're not going to be able to get rid of Stanton with that huge contract. So why not get rid of Judge? I wouldn't re-sign him. He's going to be 30 when he hits free agency. And I would instead build around Gleyber Torres and instead trade Aaron Judge, accumulate some more pitching, bring the farm back to fruition so you have some leverage in midseason deals and trade Aaron Judge and continue to have an outfield of Clint Frazier, Aaron Hicks, Giancarlo Stanton at DH sometimes, sometimes in the outfield, and Brett Gardner switching in with Giancarlo Stanton. Look, I know my Yankees' knowledge is not adequate with yours, but I just absolutely love, even as a Mets fan, watching Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton play the game of baseball and hit the baseball. It's just art to watch. It's beautiful. And it's one of those things where, you know, Judge is still so early in his career that I think you're just, again, hold your horses. I don't think it's time to give up on him yet. And Stanton, look, I know a lot of these injuries have been kind of fluky and some of them have been legit, but this is a Yankees team that I, you know, there's just so much star power on this team. I just don't think it's time to just give up on them yet. Are they built kind of like this regular season powerhouse team? For sure. But, you know, come playoff time, obviously you guys have seen same old, same old every year, just like how us Mets fans have seen, have seen 
a different the kind same of in the regular world, season. It's right? changing. It's changing. There's a new Mets team this year. The whole Mets history is now in the past. We have a new team coming next year with Stevie Cohen coming in. But I think it's. I don't think it's time to just give up on Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Judge yet. You see, Cole. The problem is, you Met fans are always trying to put the past in the past when us Yankee fans are always trying to put the past in the future. And it really never works out for either team. Either team has won in over a decade. The Yankees haven't won since 2009 and the Mets since 1986. But overall, Aaron Judge is arguably the most marketable player in baseball, even more than Mike Trout as Aaron Judge. He's on the Pepsi commercials. You see him on your TV every night. He's 6'7 giant. But overall, on the field, I think you got to trade Aaron Judge. All right, and to end off this segment, who are you shorting? I'm going back to the NFL and the Steel City. I am shorting the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their defense is phenomenal. Mika Fitzpatrick arguably could have been the defensive player of the year last year. Devin Bush out of your very own Michigan, I love. But overall, I think... Steelers, I think the Browns are going to come to play under Kevin Stefanski. I did not like the hire at first, but I have been very impressed with him and the way he has buckled up this team. Baker threw a lot of picks yesterday and was not very accurate, but Kareem Hunt has shown that what he could do, like what he did on the Kansas City Chiefs with this resurgence after Nick Chubb's injury. Odell did not have the game he did last week. There's something about under that star. But overall, I think the Browns are going to beat the Steelers, and this undefeated Steelers team is going to be defeated and not make the playoffs. Wow. I don't know, but then I think I actually kind of like that creative prediction of Cleveland beating Pittsburgh. I like that. But I, I think I really am a believer in this in this new generation, and this not I wouldn't say generation, this new version of Ben Roethlisberger and this rejuvenated Steelers team. And I've always been a big Ben fan. I never thought he was going to be able to turn it around after that injury. But somehow, some way, he turned his life around and he turned his game around. And he found a way to bring him back, himself back to the level that he was at before. Even if it is somewhat of a shell of himself, it's still good enough to get things done for the Steelers squad. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with down the road. But, you know, that's realistic that I can see Cleveland beating them. I think that's a, I think that's a, you know, a nice prediction. But someone who I'm shorting even though he's already on the ground right now, but I'm going to short him even more, is Dwayne Haskins. Listen. Are you shorting him to the AFL then, or what? I mean, he's only the third QB. Pretty much. I think Dwayne Haskins had all this, for some reason, had, had this hype out of Ohio State and then in the NFL with Washington. And I think Dwayne Haskins is never going to be able to recover from what happened in Washington. I think between his attitude towards the game, his work ethic, his poor knowledge of the game, his poor skill set, his poor ability to move around, everything about him is just an absolute thumbs down. And I think it's only going to go somehow down from here for Dwayne Haskins. I think he's a career backup, and who knows how much longer he'll be in the league for. Cole, I completely agree with you. It sounds like you're already sending him to the pink sheets over there. But uh, to the penny stocks, but uh, I think to Wayne Haskins, I'm sure there's some Michigan, Ohio State bias in that. But I agree. I never was a fan of him. One year starter coming out of Ohio State. And 
I'll never forget when he got his first win against the Carolina Panthers, how unprofessional he was. And I know Ron Rivera is a great coach, buttons up his team, but I think Dwayne Haskins isn't his guy and never will be. And I agree with you. He's going to the pink sheets. So that's going to do it for a really fun edition of Sports Stocks, where we buy, sell, and short teams and players in sports. So before we move on to our hot takes and our mailbag, just a reminder for those who skip the intro, every single week, Fridays, 4 to 5, live on air, Sammy and I agree to disagree. The greatest sports talk show that you'll listen to every week. Make sure you tune in. Enjoy. We love to always thank Sayasa High School, all the hardworking men and women there, especially in the station. That make we appreciate it. Happen. it that make it happen for the students, and we're blessed to have a station there, unlike you know, pretty much every other school across the country. And we're, we're privileged, yes. We we're going to take we full all the staff. Yeah, it's almost 50-year anniversary of our radio station going to be next year. So in this 49th year of WKWZ, we're going to take full advantage of it, even in a pandemic year. And we're so excited to get started there. So that's this coming Friday, Sammy and I, on air, live, not recorded, but live for the first time. So, moving on, hot takes. Staying with the topic of hot, let's make them a little quick takes too and get this pace moving. Let's start off with you, Sammy. All right, I think the Seahawks, who Cole, I know Russell Wilson was your preseason MVP. I know Josh Allen was mine, and Russell Wilson, he has been proving you like a genius goal. What could I say? He threw for five touchdowns in his first two games. I mean, you can't do much better than that. People are talking about him now as the best quarterback in football, even better than Mahomes. But those people, I think, should take it down a notch. But uh, there's a hot take for you. The Seattle Seahawks will be the first team since the 2009 Broncos and the 2009 Giants to start 5-0 and and miss the playoffs. I know there's an extra team this year. But I think Seattle, with Jamal Adams getting hurt now, and I don't think he'll ever return to full form, per se. And I think Russell Wilson, he's been playing great, but that just makes it more and more likely that he won't. Because if you win in close games, that means you're due to eventually not win in close games. I remember a few years ago when the Chargers, they finished 11-5 and and won seven close games, all seven of them. The next year, they came back and lost only one they lost six out of the five game. They lost five out of the six games in close one possession games. They only won one of them. So I think the Seahawks' luck is about to turn for the worst. Look, as big of a Russell Wilson supporter I am, I agree to you to an extent because I do think that they're going to have an early playoff exit. I think they're going to make. It. I think it's a little bit ridiculous or maybe a little bit too hot to say they're going to miss the playoffs after starting this well. And there are teams. I have even hotter. Listen, listen. I know you. You definitely have to even hotter. I always give this term when I'm playing on my teams and I'm watching my teams, even though my teams all suck. Great teams are able to win in crappy games, and this Seahawks team is the epitome of that. They're able to win in all these terrible games, and they end up on top in the end. I just can't see them making a Super Bowl Super Bowl run, though. I just don't think they're a complete enough team, and the defense is just absolutely atrocious up there in Seattle. So for my hot take, I'm going to do a hot, hotter, and hottest. So my first hot take, 
take it to the world football landscape. Manchester United's manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I think he is sacked by 2021, even though he should have been sacked well before. And I'll give you, oh, Sammy, you don't, you don't follow the sport at all, but it's okay because most people around in this country don't. So I'll give you an example of what, of what happened. Football He's Americano. <laughs> He's a, he was a former player for Manchester United, a legend at the club, well-respected. He comes in after we fire our manager. Sacked is the, the, the proper term that we use you know, across the pond. But he comes in as the new interim manager, and they ended up winning a few miraculous games in a, in a quick stretch. And they kind of overreacted, and they gave him a multi-year deal to stay as the manager of the club. And despite coming in third place last year in the Premier League, Ole has just been absolutely underwhelming with this team. And I don't think he's built to be a manager in you know, with the big boys in the in the world football landscape. So I think that he should be sacked, and they should be looking at a guy like Mauricio Pochettino, the former Tottenham manager, to take over at Old Trafford. Well, Cole, obviously I'm not as knowledgeable about this topic as you, but more in a general landscape, I could give the opinion that people do this in everything. They clearly were winning, and they did an emotional hire. Emotionally, they were up, and they hired them. People do that all the time with our stocks. People emotionally sell. People emotionally buy. Sports in the U.S. do that as well. It happens in everything and everywhere, and it seems like this is just another instance of that. That's a perfect way to put it. So let's hear from you. What's your hotter take? All right. This, you're going to be unbelievable and astonished how this isn't even my hottest take. But CeeDee Lamb, yes, 88 on the Dallas Cowboys is going to be a Hall of Famer. Book your schedule. People, in 20 years, you will be going to Canton, Ohio to see CeeDee Lamb and his Hall of Fame induction. I think CeeDee Lamb is the next great 88. Tony Dorsett, Des Bryant, Michael Irvin, great receivers before him on the Dallas Cowboys as number 88, and he will be great as well. I love what C.D. Lamb has been doing this year, even before the season, since he came out of Oklahoma. I have been so high on him, and I think he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Bold words by a bold man. (laughs) That's a great way to put it again. Well, it might be a little early to call him a future Hall of Famer, I agree with the talent level that he has. I think he's going to be a superstar in this league for years to come. He's shown every sign of it. He has confidence. He has the ability to make space against defenders. I love what I've been seeing from the Oklahoma product to start the season. I think he's going to be a huge help for Andy Dalton as the season goes on. So my hot-er take is kind of based on this week. And we mentioned earlier that we're going to give a little talk about Darnold Lawrence. So I'll get into more of an explanation another time. Hopefully we'll save it for the episode that Adam Gase gets fired. Or maybe we'll save it for our radio show on Friday if we have some time. But look, it's a whole other story on itself. I can talk about this for hours about the Jets quarterback dilemma. But I think when we give up on Sam Darnold, I wouldn't say give up. When we're forced to take Trevor Lawrence instead at number one, when we inevitably go 0-16. I'll give you one win. I give you one win. My hot take is that Sam Darnold is the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers to start the 2021 NFL season. 
he would have an absolute field day with Kyle Shanahan. An absolute field day. I want to see it happen. I want to see him get out of New York because that kid deserves all the best. And we're going to give him all but the – we're just going to give him the worst here in New York or East Rutherford, if you want to say, one Jets drive. For the kid's sake, please get him out of here and get him to somewhere where he has stability. And I think San Francisco would be an unbelievably good spot. I'm not, I was never too high on Jimmy G. And look, while he was serviceable enough, I think, and look, I'm not, I'm actually not overreacting to that game against Miami. I think it was a poor performance. We can't, you know, take away from that. And maybe the decision to bench him was a little bit fluky. But in the end, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is not the guy that can get it done for a 49ers team that needs to win now with you know the, the quarter they built with the with the smaller contracts that they still have. So if they're able to shut off Garoppolo's contract somehow or sign Darnold to a cheap deal on a prove-it deal off of a trade from the Jets, I think he'd be an unbelievable fit in San Francisco. Cole, I couldn't agree more. We're going to see then if if the Jets, for, this is for a later show, if they do decide to take a Trevor Lawrence or something and force Sam Darnold out, they'll probably decline his fifth-year option. But in addition to that, I couldn't agree more. I think Darnold would be a great fit. He could throw 15 times and have a 90% completion percentage under Kyle Shanahan with this West Coast offense. Kyle Shanahan is an offensive savant. He is where coordinators go to become head coaches. I think Sam Darnold could thrive in Northern California. He's a Southern California guy, but I think him going up and going for the gold rush. So let's hear your hottest take, Sammy. All right, this is another long-term take that we won't know for another 10 years. But uh, the Toronto Blue Jays will be the team of the 2020s throughout baseball. They are going to be the team by having the most world championships, the most world series. Obviously, they got at this year, but I was very happy with their showing. I actually thought they would make the playoffs from the beginning of the season, even before the expanded playoffs. And I'm a huge fan of Calvin Biggio, his father, Hall of Famer, obviously. And I think he's a great second baseman as well. I love Bo Bichette. I'm not so high on Vlad Guerrero Jr. I actually think he is not his father. And is two feasts or famine, per se, like an Aaron Judge or a John Carlos Stanton. But overall, I think that Blue Jays team, it could keep building in the future, and I could see them being like the San Francisco Giants were in this decade, team of the 2020s. I like it. Team with a great foundation, seems to have good management. They have everything in their favor. I think Toronto has a very bright future for the coming decade. And my last one, which we, we might not even know for – it could be a few years. It could be many years to come. I think LeBron James hits six NBA championships by the end of his career. I think potentially he wins one next year with Anthony Davis. I think he might win another one down the road. Who knows? Maybe he'll hit seven. But think about it. At this rate, this guy is going to be playing top-tier basketball until he's 40 years old. He looks unbelievable right now. He's 35 years old. He's the best player in basketball. I, I, I think he's going to figure out a way to win two more by the time he retires. He's going to end up playing with Bronny, even though this is kind of irrelevant to the conversation. But I think LeBron James, by the end of his career, gets six 
NBA titles tying him with Michael Jordan. Cole, you indirectly touched on it. I thought we weren't going to have the good debate here. But, I mean, I do think the Lakers have a prime opportunity to win it next year and maybe the year after if Anthony Davis starts taking on a leading role like a Tim Duncan did, per se, with a David Robinson as his career progressed. And Tim Duncan took the reins and eventually got superstars of his own. And Tony Parker, not a superstar, but a star. And Manu Ginobili, who helped Argentina win it all, win a gold medal. And I think that... Anthony Davis, he is really a great sidekick for LeBron, and maybe LeBron eventually kind of taking a backseat and giving the reins to Anthony Davis, and who knows? Maybe LeBron's contract expires in 2022, 2024, my, my bad. No, 2022, so he signed in 2018, so that will be the year Bronny will be able to come into the draft, assuming they change it to high school. If not, 2023 will be the year as he is in my class. Um, so I think that Ronnie James, him playing with LeBron, could be a match made in heaven if LeBron decides to eventually leave the Lakers and go to whatever team Ronnie does. And LeBron having two years left on his deal, that could give him these three elusive championships you have mentioned. Overall, I think it's possible. Bold, but not impossible. Back to you, Cole. Look, I'm confident that it's going to happen. I know I'm a LeBron stan. Confident. Confident. Now I'm that's confident. a stretch. I am confident that LeBron James will win two more NBA titles by the time he retires. So, to close out the show, a quick mailbag session. One burning question from the fans. One for Sammy. One for myself. We'll start with you. Um, let's see which question we're going to pick out of this collection that we have here from some of our listeners. Hmm. How about this? What do you think of the Cleveland Browns playoff chances, Sammy? I think the Browns are going to make it. As I said, I think they're going to beat the Steelers this week, going to 5-1. and one. And I'm on the Browns bandwagon. I have been since before the season. As I said, I wasn't a Stefanski guy, but Baker, I think he's definitely serviceable. He's been somewhat disappointing, but at the end of the day, he's great weapons. Nojoku will come back at tight end. I'm a big fan of his, has been since he was drafted out of the first round, out of the U. The U. And (laughs) I would say the Browns, they have Miles Garrett, who that contract is already paying off. He's pr- they bet on him with his incident last year, gave him the bag, and he is definitely paying them back in the form of hitting the quarterback. Olivier Vernon on the opposite side of him has been playing great as well. Yesterday, the very underrated game. Didn't necessarily have sacks, but was definitely getting in the back room. Jolton Richardson was hobbling a little, but great inside between those two. And Denzel Ward in the secondary, a young corner. Overall, I think the Browns are going to make the playoffs. And we should keep an eye on them with Nick Chubb maybe coming back and Kareem Hunt. If not, I think we should keep an eye on them to maybe, this is kind of bold, kind of hot, but maybe making a run all the way to Tampa. Wild. It's bold, but not impossible. Absolutely wild. You know, I agree. I'm I'm more than impressed with how Stefanski has done so far. I was surprised. I thought he was going to have a little few, a few roadblocks to start. 
But, you know, they seem to be on the right track, and I can only be happy for them. It just makes me even more depressed about my teams not being able to get back on track. So, Sammy, show me the first question on that list, and that will be my quick take. All right, Cole. So, do you think, from Noah here, we have this question from Noah, do you think the NBA viewership is declining? Why is it declining? This finals had clearly much less viewership than previous finals. When you look at the Jazz versus the Bulls in ancient times right now, shined on on the last dance in back-to-back years in 97-98. I hear the NBA viewership down. Why? Is it because LeBron and the Lakers? Do people just not have interest in LeBron? No interest in Jimmy Butler? What is the reason, Cole? Happy you mentioned the last dance because I almost completely forgot to mention on that show about just a quick note, I'm not going to get too in-depth into this, but people forget that LeBron James had to sit through watching all 10 episodes of that documentary. You're before, right, I forgot. Before he had to motivation. make this run. And, oh my God, you know, all they did is talk about how Jordan found himself motivation. You want motivation? You watch the ghost that you've been competing against your entire career, and you watch people, oh, and, and, and just talk and praise him for months about this amazing documentary that he produced himself. LeBron wants a better documentary when he's older about his illustrious career when he has six championship rings. But going back to the NBA viewership, I'm look, I'm going to give my honest answer here. Politics, not in the equation. I don't, maybe they lose a few viewers who are like, oh, I'm not watching because of politics. Like, all right, screw them. I mean, that, that, can't, that can't be too many people in the equation. And look, there's also a lot of people talking about, you know, the illegal streams. Yes, I'm sure that has a little bit of an impact on it as well when you're looking in the grand scheme of things. Fair point. But overall, I mean, I think it hurt having them play in the bubble. But again, it's a makeshift product. They made the most out of it. If I'm Adam Silver, you have your core group of fans. And also, they also didn't have the viewers from China all year. That's a big thing as well. I don't know if that factored into the, I mean, the overall equation, what people were talking about. But China did have a one-year ban from their viewers watching the National Basketball Association. But overall, I mean, look, people love parody. People love elimination games. As we talked about before, there's creative ways to create content in the NBA. And they'll figure out a way to get back on track. But I think getting back into the regular norm of things will help this league tremendously. But Cole, in 1997 and 1998, did China really watch the NBA Finals? I'm sure they did, but not at the scale they would be now. So they, that finals had over 35 million viewers. So when you look at it that way, this finals didn't even have 10. Well, actually, so, I, forgot the most, I forgot the most important point is that they actually were in an unfortunate situation. Can we for, forgot to mention this? They were competing against every other sport at the same time. It's definitely I mean, a people, fair point. People forget to put that in the equation. There was so much going on. You have people watching literally every single sport on throughout the summer and also being out and about. I, I mean, no, safely, for the most part. But in the end, I think just the mix of all these equations and the fact that they put a makeshift product together, I think they should be giving themselves a pat on the bat, a pat, pat on the back and not dwelling over the fact that the ratings were down a little bit. And look, they have their core group of fans. They have superstars that drive the league. They're in great hands for the future. The game is constantly growing internationally. I would not lose sleep over this if I'm Adam Silver and the NBA. And literally, so quickly, 
before we go, before we end this show, let's give some games to watch for this week. My top three this week, going back to the world football landscape, for all our Jewish followers out there, Israel and Slovakia are playing Wednesday at 2.45. Going same day on 2.45 on Wednesday, Croatia and France. And also, at the same time, 2.45 on Wednesday, Italy and the Netherlands in an action-packed day of football on the international landscape. Sammy, what are we watching for this week, man? All right. Well, tomorrow I would be watching Clayton Kershaw pitching against the Atlanta Braves. He was dominant in his first start of the whole postseason. And Clayton Kershaw, obviously, he has had his playoff demises in the past and the ghosts of his past. But Randy Johnson eventually in 2001 got over the hump and won it all. And we'll see if Clayton Kershaw could capture that elusive World Series ring that he has been coveting for so long now, as his dominance since 2011 has been otherworldly. And obviously, he's not at the peak, and he's not there that he once was. But we'll see if he could win against the Atlanta Braves and continue his legacy. I would also, on Monday night, which was supposed to be this Thursday night game, but this week there will be no Thursday night game because of the Titans outbreaks. The Bills-Titans game got pushed till tomorrow, Tuesday, which means the Bills and the Chiefs could not play Thursday night. So that Bills-Chiefs game is now going to be next Monday. And this is Josh Allen, Bills Mafia. I think he's going to be the MVP. I'm sticking with the pick. He's proven me great already. And Patrick Mahomes, who he had some doubters this week. He's had some backlash. And he's probably going to come back even stronger with more motivation. A $500 million man. We'll see what he can do. Yeah, we'll talk about this one on Friday. We got not a lot to finish up on that show. A lot of unfinished business from today on this Monday edition of Agree to Disagree. So that's going to do it for today. Make sure to check out the podcast description. And this goes for every show. Since this one ran a little long, luckily we had the luxury of not being on a time limit as we are on the radio station because we got shows, music shows, awesome music shows directly after us. But we were able to go a little bit longer on this one and you know, kind of get everything out and squeeze it in at the end. But make sure to check out the podcast description, time segments for every single part of this incredible show. Just a click of the button, click the time, and you can listen to it. So make sure, again, to catch us this coming Friday and every Friday throughout the year from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on WKWZ 88.5, Say Austin High School's FM radio station. Put the link on my Twitter. And check every Friday for that podcast and the radio show, the recording, after it's done. Sammy, final thoughts before we go. Cole, we may agree to disagree, but at least we agree on that. We have to disagree that LeBron will not be getting to six championships, but at least we agree that we're going to have to disagree in this scenario. To be continued. So that's all we have for today. I'm Cole Evans. That was the... Sammy Sherry, and we will see you on Friday for another action-packed edition of Agreed to Disagree, your new favorite sports talk show.